Welcome back to the Bulletproof Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, DF Bean Counter. You can follow me on Twitter at DF Bean Counter. And here on our second attempt at the new style podcast, we have the one and only Ray GQ at Ray GQ on Twitter. Of course, probably know Ray GQ from basically everything. He does it all. Uh, Destination Devi, Bets Media, FDN Network, the Patreon.com forward slash all gas commander, commander in chief, if you will. How's it going tonight, Ray? You know, before we got started, I changed shirts because I said the shirt was too wrinkled. And I'm looking at this one and it's worse than the other one. Um, <laughs> so, so far, it's not going it's not going very well. But I think this conversation will help uh, ease my insecurities about the wrinkly <laughs> shirt that I have on. But thank you for having me on, Drew. No worries. It should be noted that you're in luck because I'm still on vacation mode. I actually don't start working until tomorrow. So this is still vacation bean counter today. I have the Hawaiian shirt. I have the hat. We're still on an island. So I think that you look fantastic. You certainly certainly got me beat. So I need to ask you, Ray, it has been pointed out that you're a football player, like an actual football player, not like a, not like a fake football player, like a real live college football player. <laughs> I just want to match your style. I want to match your style. Here we go. Let's go. Love All it. Right. <laughs> so you played college football and you... What what was your like welcome to college football moment? Because you played with Danny Woodhead, yeah, right? Yeah. What was your welcome to welcome to college football moment among Danny Woodhead? Like, did you line yeah. him up thinking you're gonna put him in the ground I mean, and then he just like juke your shorts out? Would you, what happened? Uh, so for those of y'all who aren't watching, um, and I'm just being honest with y'all, that's the thing about me. I'll just keep it real. I just say what's real, right? So for those of y'all that aren't watching, I or don't follow me on Twitter, I'm a black guy. All right. Uh, I grew up in uh, inner city, North Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, I had some opportunities to play division one ball. Uh, Boise State was like the biggest school that recruited me. I was a knucklehead in high school, got in trouble. So I ended up having to go division two. And this is important for the story. Okay. Ended up having to go D2 to some little old school I'd never heard of Shadron State, but the Boise coach knew that coach. So it all worked out. So you got to understand, I'm this inner city kid from Las Vegas who had got recruited by big Boise State. So in my mind, like I'm that dude, like I'm really good, right? <laughs> so all I heard about, all we heard about in the 04 recruiting class was this running back from North Platte, Nebraska named Danny Woodhead. And I'm looking at him. He's this short white dude, just looks kind of goofy. And they're like, he broke Gale Sayers rushing record. So cocky black kid from Las Vegas coming to Shadron, Nebraska. There were like four black people in the whole town. Not even joking. <laughs> I'm like, dude, this dude's probably sucked. I played against DeMarco Murray in high school. I played against Steven Jackson in high school. I was like, there's no way this Danny Woodhead guy is any good. So fast forward, first padded practice, I'm playing backside corner. They run a toss sweep to the other side of the field. The goal is for the DB to take the angle to meet the running back and you touch him. So I'm running, Danny's running, and I'm trying to take the angle and Danny's running a little bit more and I'm like speeding up and I'm trying to catch him on the angle and he just like blasted past me and I got in trouble. I got cussed out by the coach. Why did you do that? But that in that moment, I was like, first, I was like, that's a fast white boy. He can run. <laughs> um, but not only was he fast, uh, best athlete I've ever seen in my life from basketball. Uh, he left the football field, went to indoor track and went to nationals in the indoor 60 with zero practice. I, I knew from probably the first padded practice that he was special and after his first couple of games, I remember telling my best friend, I was like, he's going to go to the NFL. Like he's going to go to, he's going to be in the NFL. I don't know how good he's going to be, but he's going to make it to the NFL. So that first pad of practice in training camp was my welcome to Danny Woodhead. <laughs> welcome to college moment. <laughs> That's awesome. Did you ever, did you ever hit him so hard? You gave him snot bubbles. I need to know, is this a thing? Snot bubbles. Did you do it? After, after he had a thousand yards, like in the first four games, he literally, and I'm not joking, like the first four games of his career, I think he had close to a thousand rushing yards. He was not hittable at practice for the next <laughs> four years. You could not tackle Danny. If Danny ran into you, you just had to stand there and take it. You did not tackle Danny. So no, I don't think anybody ever got a clean shot on Woody. I did put some wood to him, but you never really got a clean shot on that kid. He was special. All right, man. That's great. Great to hear. Uh, he went on to be a zero RB uh godsend basically won a lot of people leagues in his career so current events um i remember i think it was during uh draft cycle and even in gardner Minshew's rookie year you were you're pretty into gardner Minshew. how are you feeling about gardner now like is he ever going to start games again i feel like he is how are you feeling uh, i don't feel as good as i did about a year and a half ago when i was acquiring gardner Minshew because i thought that he was going to be able to build upon that momentum and seize that job but 
Clearly that didn't happen. And to answer your question, if he starts again, I think it's due to injury. I do not think he will have an opportunity to earn a starting role anymore. And the opportunity that he had, he didn't perform up to snuff and we can make all kinds of reasons and excuses why, but I don't believe he earns another starting job. I think he's going to be that career backup that in spot duty, he can give you a couple of nice games, but nobody that I ever want to invest in again in uh, Dynasty. All right. Well, that puts a damper on my Gardner Minshew hype. Well, t- well tell me why you think he will. I mean, there's two sides to this, man. He just uh, he did a lot of things that we want rookie quarterbacks to do. Like he performed well as a rookie quarterback, and he didn't even perform that bad. Like, he wasn't like a league worst quarterback last year. He was he was not good. Don't get me wrong, but he wasn't the worst quarterback in the NFL last year. So I just feel like there's other worst quarterbacks out there, and there's probably going to be a team that needs a quarterback at some point. I think he'll probably get on the field. You know, maybe maybe even this year. If uh, Jalen Hurts doesn't uh, uh, like put it this way, passing the ball, Jalen Hurts was nowhere near Gardner Minshew from like a efficiency standpoint or not even efficiency, like a PFF grade standpoint as rookies. But Jalen Hurts also has a whole other toolbox that he can tap into that is going to probably keep him in the starting lineup, I think. But from a football, like passing the football standpoint, Gardner Minshew was a lot better than Jalen Hurts as rookies. But Jalen Hurts is obviously a lot better prospect as well. So there's a lot of ways to go with this. Yeah. But uh, at the end of the day, I just feel like Gardner Minshew wasn't that bad. And we've seen bad quarterbacks get chances in the, in, in the past. So I don't know. I, 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 I hear you, but I don't think we see bad quarterbacks going out in getting starting jobs. They may fall into one out of like injury on their own team, but very, I'm really trying to think like, I'm like Mike Glennon, maybe the only one that really comes to mind where he was bad and someone paid him to be a starter and he was bad and it didn't last long. Um, I, I I think Gardner had a shot, man. I, I think he had a shot. He still has plenty of time to prove us wrong, but I find it hard pressed if he doesn't play this year, some other team saying we're going to give you a two-year deal to come be our quarterback. I, I don't see that within what I've seen on the field and the opportunities. He may get one out of injury or the guy's playing horribly, but I don't think some team is going to bring him in to be a starting quarterback. But I could yeah, be wrong. I, no, I, I agree with you from that point. Like, if we don't see him on the field again, nobody's going to bring him in to be a starting quarterback. I think it's going to have to be an injury. You know, somebody gets hurt or Jalen Hurts is just atrocious, which I don't think he's going to be atrocious. And then he gets to start and then somebody's like, yeah, okay, like this guy's maybe all right. Uh, Hey, like come be our Nick Foles kind of thing. You know, like I think that could happen, but I don't think it's necessarily going to be like, okay, he rides the bench this year. Next year, you know, we're Andy Dalton. It's like, okay, come on in. Do you have more confidence in Gardner starting another NFL game or Cam Newton? Oh, Cam Newton for sure. Without doubt. Okay. How about you? Oh, yeah. It's Cam. It's Cam. Yeah, yeah okay. I'm I, like, I mean, I obviously don't know anything about the situation, like from the specifics, but my, my tea leave reading tells me it was probably, Hey, Cam, we're going to start Mac. And Cam was like, well, can you cut me so I can go play somewhere else? Yeah. I, like, I got to think that's what happened. Uh, and it I, was probably I, a little more fiery than what I said, but. <laughs> uh, or, or it was one of those things where Bill, which if this happened this way, and one day I think we'll find out if Bill went to Cam and said, yo, we're going to start the kid. And we're going to cut you that way. Like you're not a backup. We're not going to have you hold his clipboard. It's probably in the best interest for you to try to find work or figure out what you want to do. Maybe Bill came to him and said, we're going to do this, but we're also going to do you the favor of releasing you. That way you can kind of pick and choose your own journey. Cause we're going to start the kid. He's going to play. And I, I just, I can't envision a world where Cam Newton is standing on the sideline with the clipboard. I could see him sitting at home until he's called. And when yep. they, when he's called, they're going to practice for three days and he's going to start the next week. Like I can see that happening, but I could, I think either way, Cam being released was best for everybody. For sure. I like even to keep Cam on the team, like I get it would be good for the team from a, if Mac gets hurt, then we have a quality starter, but I just feel like him being there is like, it, it's too much for, for yeah. uh, Mac to handle. Yeah. Yeah, not, not that I know Mac personally by any stretch, but I just feel like yeah. if I was a rookie quarterback, I don't want the incumbent quarterback sitting on the bench, a former MVP in his prime sitting on the bench behind me. Like it just, I'd be uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So well, let's go into Mac because I wanted to ask you about Mac later anyway. So we'll just move that up the show sheet right now. What are you thinking? Like, I know you love Mac, but are you thinking he's going to be a high-end QB1 in fantasy football? Are you think he's going to be a high-end QB2? Like what's your expectation around Mac Jones? 
This is the craziest thing, Drew. I don't love him. I hated the narrative around him so much that it made me talk about him. But pre-draft, he was my QB4. Pre-draft, he was my QB4. Like, I I had Lance over him. I had Fields over him. I had Trevor Lawrence over him. He was my QB4. At one point, I think I I had him at QB3, and it was a little bit of bias and non non, no objectivity. And then I was like, Ray, stop. You would take in a draft, you're taking Trey Lanza. And I was like, yes, I am. So he ended up being my QB4. So I don't love him. I just hated the narrative around him. And all I ever said, and people can look this up, Drew, I think it was September or October of 2020. I said, he's going to be a first round pick. That's all I said. I said, Mac Jones is going to be a first round pick. I never said he was going to go top three, top five. I never said he was the best prospect in the 2021 class. I just said he was going to go first round. And I got so much crap about that. That just mentions on fire. You're crazy. You don't know what you're talking about. Statistically, he was a better passer. He was better in his career than Tua was, and we were tanked for Tua. I just said he's a good quarterback, and he's going to go round one. And although he's not the Konami code, I do think he can be a high-end quarterback too. And maybe one year he gives you a low-end QB1 finish, right? Maybe a season he finished. Maybe two seasons he finishes as a back-end QB1. But I think the more likely outcome is he's a high to mid, mid-ranged QB2 that is going to have a safe floor. He ain't going to turn the ball over a ton. You're not getting anything on the ground, but you'll get solid production through the air. That's all I've ever said about Mac Jones. Not that he was better than Lance, Lawrence, Field, any of the, but he was a good quarterback. He'd go round one, and I think he'll be successful in the NFL, and I think he's going to be a solid quarterback for us in Dynasty. It was interesting to watch his, his rise through the process because when I first put out my, like, my like quarterback uh, rankings, I guess you could say on Twitter, just like this is kind of where I'm thinking the rookies fall in. I, I was like max a high, like a second round pick. I like nobody was talking about his first round pick. And then you and somebody else got my mentions and were like, Hey, what are you doing? This guy's a first round pick. I'm like, well, nobody's saying he's a first round pick other than you guys. Like none of the mock drafts have him in the first round. I can't, <laughs> I can't just treat him like a first round pick of none of the NFL teams are saying he's a first right, round pick. Right. And then like two months later, everyone was like, he's like going to go number three. And I'm like, what the, f- like, how did this happen? So then I, I had to backtrack you. a bit. I and I like, you. Okay, you know what? He's better than I thought because you yeah. guys told me he wasn't a first round pick. Now you're saying he is a first round pick. You all catching up to Ray. And, uh, and then I had to bump him a little bit. I didn't bump a lot. Cause I don't think he yeah. has a high ceiling in fantasy football. And that's really what we're doing. Right? Like I think he has a, like so far I'm like, oh, this guy's going to be an NFL quarterback at the very worst. Yeah. Like, at first I was like, I don't know. Like he, he could right. be an NFL quarterback. I don't know yet. And now I'm just like, yeah, he's probably an NFL quarterback, but he's, he's, you know, it's fun. I keep using this hilarious uh, comp that you're going to hate because I know you're going to hate it. This is not a, it's not a, a flattering comp because it's the, to drive you're home good, the point. You're good at doing this. You know that you're real good at doing <laughs> this. You, you, you try to, let me tell you what you do. I figured you out, Drew. What you do is you use just enough positivity in your message, like uh, just enough optimism, but that thing is oozing with just backhandedness, just <laughs> slanderous, blasphemous propaganda, but just enough like he's good. But let me tell you every reason why he really does stink. Like you're good. I figured you out. So go ahead and throw your ridiculous right. comp out there. So here's my ridiculous comp that just drives everybody crazy as soon as I say it, but it's actually exactly what everybody thinks he's going to be. He's going to be Joe Flacco for fantasy football. Joe Flacco has multiple top like quarterback 13, 14, 12 finishes. He's a long range starter. That's going to be Mac Jones. I'm sorry. <laughs> and it's hilarious because it's it, like Joe, Joe Flacco is such a meme now, right? But if we were right. playing Superflex Leagues 10 years ago, we were talking Joe Flacco just like this. He's a long range starter. He's going to be a, you know, a high end QB2 for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's exactly what Joe Flacco was. And then I'm like, ah, Joe, you know, Mac Jones is gonna be Joe Flacco. And people are like, what? That's atrocious. You can't say that. I'm like, well, look at like that's what he was. I'm sorry. He's never gonna have a QB six finish like Kirk yeah, Cousins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with Kirk that. Cousins era. I agree with that. No, I don't think he's <laughs> even if he I mean he'd have to go bonkers. Like he'd have to go ridiculous to do that. I, I don't think with with the with the the state of the QB right now. I mean, I'd be, I would be happy if he was QB 15. I'm just telling mm-hmm. you, like, I, I'm being realistic here. Like, I'm not going to say ridiculous things. Like, I'm not going to sit up here. I even think top 10 is, I think 10 would be like peak in my opinion. And that would be a season where he was just efficient and just dominant. You had the yards, you had the touchdowns. I, I think like 10, we'd be like, yo, Mac really 
destroyed his ADP, you know, but I, yeah. but I at QB 10, I think he's like QB 15. I'd be super happy with that's where I think he's yeah. in. I'm think he's in that hot 12 to 16, like ceiling for Mac Jones. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree. It's Joe Flacco ceiling. Love it. Love it. I just, I just heard you compare him to Joe Flacco. I'm going to go spread this all over Twitter. I'm like, you know what Ray said? Ray no, compared him to Joe Flacco production. No. no. But the, the difference, though, between Joe Flacco and, and Mac Jones is that Mac Jones is playing in an era where Joe Flacco would never be QB 12. <laughs> you know, he'd never be QB yeah. 13. He'd be more like QB 20 right now in, yeah. in his peak. That's the difference yeah. between Joe Flacco and Mac Jones. I'm just using it as a hilarious, like, yes. listen, yes. you want to pump the brakes a little bit. I And I'll be honest, I have him in a couple leagues where we have, like, just obscene quarterback scoring, that and it mutes rushing production. Because I'm like, that's the league you want to have him in. You want to have a piece of Mac Jones. You just don't want him in the normal leagues where, you know, Trey Lance and Justin Fields are just going to outproduce him on the ground, period. Yeah, yeah. I get it, man. I, I listen. Like I said, I I never said he was gonna be them for fantasy. I just said he was good. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, good, right? It, it means he's, he's a good NFL quarterback. I think. We think, right? We, we think. think. We, we, think. Think. We, we think Justin Fields and Trey Lance are gonna be good as well. Just yes. We don't know yeah, that either. I, I, honestly, like I, <laughs> it's hilarious to say, and I, I never really. I always try to like bring rationale into it, but th- like, who's gonna bust out of this class of the quarterbacks? Like, I don't. I don't know that any are, and that's really really crazy to say i i think the this is what i'm telling people drew and this is how i'm telling people to look at it don't think about it as which one is going to bust i'm looking at it as like which one even if they're good they just don't live up to the expectation that we have right now you know what i mean like i don't think any of them are gonna bust i don't i don't think any and if i had to pick one People wouldn't like the one that I would pick, so I'm not gonna say it. But they no, you got to. No, it's too late. No, you've already you you went down the path. You put a foot down the path. You have to finish it. Who is it? He's he's a rushing quarterback that does not live or plays for a team in the north. That's what I'm gonna say. If I had to pick one, I think that would be the one to bust. If I had right. to pick one, <laughs> if I had to pick one. All right, all right, sounds good. But I don't think any of them are going to. I think I think all of them are going to be good quarterbacks, and then we know the ones that are going to be valuable in fantasy. But I think if you're fans of those respective teams, just as a fan, you you'll be happy with all of those guys. I think they're all really good. All right, uh, I'm in. I'm all the way in. All the quarterbacks given to me. So when we're in training camp season here, and we see these hype videos, you know, like uh, I'm going to talk about your favorite player right now, Devonta Smith. We see him just annihilating cornerbacks. Time after time, does this actually give us any new information, or are we just like happy because it's happening? I think at the beginning we're just happy. I mean, think think about like literally the the first day of camp. I think he ran like a didn't even run is a stretch. I think he jogged <laughs> and like turned and caught the ball, and that gets a hundred thousand impressions. You know, what? like, and I'm not even being funny. Like literally, Jamar oh, no, chasing sure. the warm up. Jamar chasing the warm up line and just jogs and. Oh my God. Or one does this and the ball just hits their hand and we just lose our mind. I think at the beginning, it's just talk, but when they actually start to practice and we're, we're seeing a consistent pattern of this person is performing and they're showing the video or this per like a consistent pattern. I do think there is something to gain from there. I don't think it's the end all be all, but I specifically remember, remember the Royce Freeman year when Royce Freeman came out, I was listening to the FF ballers and I remember he was a third round pick. People were taking him in round three and round four of redraft leagues because he came from Oregon. He's in Denver. They're going to run the ball. Royce Freeman and all they, her name is Nikki and I can't pronounce her last name, but I could, I can give her credit for this tweet. Uh, I think she writes for the Washington football team now, but she's a big analyst. I saw her in, uh, on the headlines today. She kept talking about Philip Lindsay and she kept saying, dude, there's this kid undrafted dude, Philip Lindsay. And I remember it was like my second year playing dynasty. So I went and added him for a dollar off waivers everywhere I could find him. Cause she kept saying, Philip Lindsay, Philip Lindsay. I'm seeing highlights of this kid from Colorado. And sure enough, this undrafted free agent, Philip Lindsay rushes for back-to-back 1000 yard seasons, puts Royce Freeman on the bench, fades him into oblivion and consistent positive news or consistent negative news is news. And I wouldn't, I would not base a ton around it, but I do think you can take and extract value in dynasty leagues following that news. You know, Jamar Chase, for example, there was news about him dropping passes. That wasn't fake. Like he had five targets his preseason. He dropped four of them. That's real. But 
ultimately, I don't care, but there are league mates who do. So I think that type of news, you can use that in turn to either get more for, you know, sell a player for more or get a player for less. So I don't ignore it at all. No, I think that's a really good way to like not spin that, but like spin that is like, yeah, it doesn't really matter to us necessarily, but it matters to our league mates and that affects league or like player value. And you can like ride the wave of hype or I don't know what the opposite of hype is, this hype waves to uh to buy and sell and yeah. that's really how you win a dynasty is is making trades what's the worst trade you ever made in dynasty league are you why did you why am i here are you serious i'm just curious what's the worst trade you ever made in dynasty well, league i'll tell you, you mine are, you tell me yours i will never come on this show again because you're setting me <laughs> up left and right the worst trade i ever made was the trade i made with you last year which worst was trade i've ever made which was it? James Connor for Justin Jefferson straight up. <laughs> oh, whoops. You know what? You know what the hilarious thing about that though is? We both lost because I turned around and traded Justin Jefferson for JK Dobbins, who is now out for who knows how long. But so the thing is, <laughs> even if JK Dobbins returns 50% value, which I think he will be more than that, that's still more than James Connor will ever get me. That was brutal. Wow. That wow. was the worst because it was straight up. And I did it out of panic because i didn't have a lot of running backs at that time in the league and i let what we just talked about affect me to do something dumb because remember last year the whole narrative was justin jefferson couldn't beat out all bc johnson oh, yeah. and i made this i didn't make the trade then though no no, week no, no. One, i don't think I, week, week one because it was because week one he did nothing i don't think justin jefferson did anything so i'm like no and I liked him pre-draft, and I'm like, damn, the training camp news, and then he busts week one. And then I think the week that I traded him, he went nuts in his second <laughs> game. It was the week that I traded him to you. Yeah. And I was like, I messed up. I messed up. I yeah, messed no, up. I was like, oh, man, like this is really working out. Because I, I, I like I really like Justin Jefferson. I, I had him as a bulletproof prospect. But uh, I also like James Conner, and I still like James Conner. Are you, are you out on James Conner entirely? I'm out on him for Justin Jefferson, yes. Well, for, for that, of course. At at cost, no, I'm not. I, I, a part of me feels a little, a part of me, like the smallest part, like in my pinky toe, feels like he may be the one that you want out of that backfield, but we'll see. No, I mean, I'm in. Like I, at cost, if I have to draft Chase Edmonds at cost or James Conner at cost, I'm taking James Conner 100 percent of the time. Even if they're equal, I'm probably taking James Conner because he's <laughs> he's got more of a history of production. Yeah. Like we've never seen Chase Edmonds really do anything. So. Yeah. Just give me James Conner. And like in redraft, especially where we're talking about like, okay, well, if one of them sucks, I'll just drop them like big deal. I want the guy that can actually smash rather than the guy that, yeah, you might have like a mid yeah. running back two season. So anyways, now that we got the worst trade, the worst trade for me was trading. Well, I don't know. I didn't really have a worst trade. Justin Jefferson for who did I trade him for? JK Dobbins. It worked out terrible. I'm so sad about that trade. I have Ugh. talked about the, the trade that I made with you on the people who listen to Destination Debbie religiously. I've talked about that trade at least six times. It still <laughs> to this day, it still bothers me. And I'm not, it still bothers me because I had a really good like I really crushed that Debbie draft. And I just looked back at my Debbie draft and was like, I should have just held every pick, every pick, every player. Well, I think that what, what happened as well, just, just to give the audience a little bit of background on this trade, Ray had every good rookie wide receiver in the league. And I was like, just give me one of them. And you can have this James Conner. You can go win your league. James Conner went out in that second week and he got benched in week one. Then he went yeah. out in the second week and did like everything you could imagine. Yep. He was like a bona fide running back one in the second week. And I was like, Ray, look it. Like he got benched. That's why he didn't play week one. He's back. We're talking James Conner RB1. Just give me one of those rookies. I'm in a like I'm uh, a productive struggle. Just give me any of them. It doesn't matter. You're like, ah, here's Justin Jefferson. And I get it. Like, well, the BC Johnson was beating uh, him out in training camp. All training camp. It wasn't like it wasn't like uh as though yeah, he I mean, was, never had a chance. Like he yeah, never got on the field. So I get it. I get it. All right. Let's go on to the next thing. We're we're talking Debbie now, because that's your thing. And I want to know. I was skipping a little bit on the show sheet here. Yeah, I want to talk yeah. Debbie because tell me about your Debbie strategy because there's, there's not a lot of people that play a lot of Debbie leagues. So I feel like a lot of people that play are kind of like guessing up what their strategy is. But yeah. I know that you play in like pretty much exclusively Debbie leagues, I would say. Yeah. Um, so it's how actually, do you win? It's I actually changed and like I, I'm, I don't th I think I'm in one Debbie league now. Everything is converted to C to C. I oh. think C to C is the better way to do it. But Debbie in particular, it, I'll just say this. It depends. How do I want to say this, Drew? Um, 
No, it doesn't. It doesn't depend on anything. Um, it depends in C to C. But in Devi, I'm looking for the players who I believe are going to get the draft capital to matter. That's that's who I'm picking. And uh, depending on the the strength of my current NFL team, if I need that value now, I'm looking for like next year's class. So this year in particular, I'm looking strictly at 2022 guys. Um, if I know I'm like a year or two away, then I'm just going best overall prospect within the next two years. Um, I'm just thinking about life and longevity of a league. So for me to draft, uh, a freshman that's not even eligible to 2024 and heaven forbid, they decide to return for their senior season. That's 2025. So that's literally like four seasons that I have to roster this guy with no return on, 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 on investment, like none. Um, and it's still a big risk. So for me, I'm looking at like as early as possible, or at least one year past that, which players do I believe are going to have maximum value. And I'll just, I, I roll with that. Like if we were talking two years ago in 2019, I didn't care that I'd have to wait until 2021 for Trevor Lawrence, because everybody under the sun knew he was going to be the number one pick. Like you just knew it. So if you were okay with holding an asset that really in a way you could say like cost you money until you actually turn that pick into player um you know then then you go with that but i'm trying to find the most value in those players i don't care about team structure i don't look at what i need oh i need a running back i don't care about any of that like who's got the most value or what pick could potentially have the most value. That's all I'm looking at. That makes sense. I, I think it's really interesting in in Debbie leagues in particular because what happens a lot of times is you you draft a player in the first round of your Debbie league, right? And then and then you have to hold them, like you said, for two, three, sometimes four years. It's like, well, they can really never exceed the value that you paid for them. So you're you're not even you're taking all the risk and you're getting none of the value out of it. At least when you have a rookie, you're you're potentially going to get some value out of it because they could play and do something that increases their value. But with the Debbie player, they're always capped at first round pick value because they're always ever, ever going to be a first round pick by the time they get the NFL. So I kind of like it. Yeah. And I think I, uh, I, I just think sometimes like I'm telling you right now and, and I get what you're saying, but there are some players where you just like, you know, that once their name is called and they're actually on a team and really everybody from like, I, I think in certain instances, you can get your value back. Case in point, if you drafted B. John Robinson today, there's no doubt at least in my mind and a lot of people's minds, he's going to be a high NFL draft pick. Like the moment Bijan's name's called to be a member of the New York Giants to replace Saquon Barkley, I mean, dude, you're sitting on way more than you paid for two years ago, even with that roster spot. At that point, you have, I'm just going to say, the, I think Bijan's going to be like Ezekiel Elliott. Like as soon as he's drafted, he's a top five dynasty running back. Like immediately, he's top five. You could trade that for... You could trade him for so much. So I think in certain cases, it is valuable to get that guy. But let's just say, for instance, like at the 112 in a Debbie league. I mean, in my opinion, if I can move it for a young dude, I would. That's how I Debbie. Like people always think of me as the Debbie guy. But in our first Debbie league, I traded away all my guys to win. Like I traded Rondell Moore. I think I traded him to you. You did. All those players. Because I was like, the hell with them. I'll deal with the, those rookies later. I want to win. So a lot of my Debbie leagues, I, I, I may hold one or two, but I, I'll ship them off for like win now talent. No, that's a good point. I, I remember watching the Debbie master trading away all his Debbie picks. And I, meanwhile, I'm hoarding them. This is my first Debbie league, by the way. Ray, Ray invited me to my very first Debbie league I've ever played in. It was with a bunch of Debbie sharks. And I'm like, yeah, I'll figure it out. And then uh, I just went like productive struggle and yeah, my team stacked for the, for the record. You're not in the league anymore. My team is stacked. I'm set to like smash Matt Hicks. I'm really excited about that. Good. Take down Hicks. He took me yeah. down the title game. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's, he's, he's basically going to be out of the league after this. I'm going to uh, like, as the league champion, I think I get the right to veto a, a manager. Matt's out of here. Just kidding, Matt. I love you. You can stick around. <laughs> but uh anyway i like i was watching you just get rid of all your devi stuff and i'm like this is the devi guy what's he doing and then i got all these picks and i'm like i don't know what to do with any of these <laughs> so then i started like the next year i was like okay i got all these picks i don't know if they're any good or not i haven't really dug into devi that much now i've now i've dug into devi quite a bit but at the time i was like i don't really know what to do so i started trading off these picks i traded like kylan hill and a second round pick for like alan robinson yeah and that was the two years ago before kylan hill came out so not like this year like 
Right, right, right. Then he went back to be a senior. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that, that worked out. I'm really happy with that trade. So, like, I think you're right. Like, once you have these Debbie players and they get some name value, you can flip them for NFL veterans pretty easily. Pretty and easily, man. I think there's, I think it's deeper than just the league, man. It's the psychology of people. Like, we always want the new this. That's why Apple is in business. That's why cars could make one model and six months later, they got another model and you want to upgrade. Like we always want something new. And you, you see a lot of people who just take Najee, for instance. I think midway through his college season last year, you had people that probably would have given you DeAndre Swift plus to have the rights to Najee Harris, like, because it's new, you know, he's going to go early or, or think about the moment he was drafted by Pittsburgh and the Le'Veon Bell comparison narrative starts to seep in. Like you probably could, you could have traded Najee for, I think you could probably get JK Dobbins at that moment. You could have got JK Dobbins plus DeAndre Swift plus uh, for Najee Harris. Like we just want something new. So if you have that something new, and you know how to extract that value from it, dude, you can wreck. And what I did in that league, I made it to the title game. Like I accomplished what I set out to do because I had a, my team was stacked too. I had all kinds of injuries. I think I lost Christian McCaffrey and I still made it to the championship because my team was stacked. So I think you can definitely extract shiny new toy value, whether that's in Debbie leagues or regular dynasty leagues. I think rookie draft season is the easiest way to acquire like proven NFL talent. The easiest way but it, it's difficult because you yourself have to show restraint to not fall in love with the player and be like i've got to have jamar chase i'm not leaving this draft like if you're sitting at 104 and you know drew you could trade 104 for two i'm just throwing out names alan robinson miles gaskin and uh deontay johnson like you know you can trade that pick for it but you're like I just got to have Chase. Like, I, I want yeah. Jamar Chase. Like, but if you have the discipline to be like, that's the smart play, that's what's going to win me a title next year, you can kill people in rookie during rookie draft season. I, I, I do a series every year where we talk about three optimal times to make dynasty trades. And rookie draft season, of course, is one of those three times that I believe are the most optimal to make dynasty trades. Nice. What are, what are the other ones? I say right around trade deadline for those teams that yeah. think they're going to make the playoffs. And then right around the NFL combine, when testing yeah. numbers first come out, when they first drop, that's when you can start to get some people excited. Absolutely. Yeah. No, the, the combine, I feel like, is probably the best time. Yeah. Because it it like really solidifies the draft class. And also yeah. it's it's on stuff that doesn't necessarily matter. Like, you know, if so and so runs a four four three forty, it's like, well, if you're on a four four eight forty, it wouldn't have made a difference to me anyway. So yeah, if you really like him because now he ran a four four three instead of the expected four four eight, yeah, you're like let's get him on your team, let's go. Yep. So I totally get it, and yeah, I agree with trade deadline. Trade deadline is where people are desperate to go win that championship, yep. which I think, like from my perspective, is like a colossal mistake if you're on the other side of it where you're mm. trying to buy at trade deadline. I feel like we're talking about a game where you can. We're not talking about a game where you have a large sample, like a whole season to extract the value of that player. We need that player to score well in week 16 or the trade wasn't worth it. So you're yeah. placing a law, a huge bet on one week of production. And if it doesn't hit, so too bad. I mean, obviously you get to keep the player forever. So if it's a young player, like that's that. fine. I never thought about it like that as what you're risking is the buyer in that, in that situation. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's you, like, because even if you keep them forever, you didn't, you didn't acquire him for forever. You acquired him for week 15 or week 14. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't care oh, yeah. about next year. I needed Derrick Henry to play, damn it, and score me those <laughs> points, and he didn't play. Like, yeah, yeah, I got him forever, but I don't care. That didn't help me now. So I think you're right, man. I never thought about it like that. All right, all right. So now I want to shift gears now. We want to talk about your process because you are a film scout. I am not a film scout. Some of you may be shocked by this news. Listeners, I'm sorry. I'm not a film scout. Hard to believe, but true. So what I want to know from you, Ray, is sometimes these uh, these data analysts, the nerds, they get out in front of themselves and they're like, you know what? Seth Williams is the best player in the draft because he produced at 18, he produced at 19, he produced at 20. And then, you know, you hop into Ray's DMs and you're like, hey, Ray, man, like I've been hearing he's going to go on day three. Is that true? And Ray's like, yeah, he is. And I'm like, ah, that can't be because he's so good. <laughs> and you're like, no, 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 it's for real, man. Like, don't, don't, don't get, uh, don't go all in on Seth. So then I, I, I. This 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 is a true story. This is what happened. Yeah. So then I, I knocked Seth down my rankings a little bit. I'm like, hey, like people are starting to pump the brakes on Seth. Because last summer, I saw him in first round mocks. 
And yeah. I'm like, how, like, this is great. Like this guy checks every box we can imagine. He's huge. Well, he's not like huge, huge. He's like 6'3", 212. He's, he's perfect alpha. And then throughout the whole season, he like dominated again. And people are like, no, 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 no. Seth ain't it. I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. So how did you yeah. know that Seth Williams was not only going to go on day three, but then was also going to get cut in training camp as a rookie? How'd you know? <laughs> I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know, man. You know, I just, listen, I'm just being honest, man. I I have friends who are NFL scouts and, you know, I know people who, I, like, I know people who played in the league and that's no brag. I don't care. They're just regular dudes, honestly. To me. I don't, none of us ever talk, like, they're just regular dudes, man. Um, But all these, like, mocks that we see on like i'm just gonna say the big networks i I would not even i would not even pay any credence to one drop of it not one um if it's come if it comes out from somebody like dane brugler at the athletic uh some of the people that uh um, draft network i i would i would probably take credence to that but these these big ones dude where they're just now learning names during the national championship I get it. They're 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 plugged in from a higher level, but it's I, I I don't pay those any mind. As far as Seth Williams and my process, Drew, this is gonna sound real simple. Um, I just watch the game and you can tell who's good and who's not for the most part. You can it's 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 like porn, man. You know it when you see it. You just know. The first time I saw Jonathan Taylor play, I didn't need a full season of data. Uh, I didn't need two seasons of production. I was like, he's gonna be, he's gonna be that dude. I remember in 2017 or 2018 when Najee was a freshman, and then going into I think his junior year, I had him at RB five or RB four along with Taylor Swift. And I remember people saying like, "You're crazy, no way." But you saw it from his first. I was like, that dude's big and he can move like that. He's legit. Like sometimes you can just see it watching the game, watching how the players are utilized, watching how they react in certain situations. Um, Drew, I remember Derrick Henry in the Iron Bowl versus Auburn. They rushed him like 48 times. He took 48 carries in that game, carried him to victory. And then the very next week in the SEC title game, I think he had 34 carries after that or 38 carries. Uh, Tua comes in at halftime in the national championship game and throws a rope to Devonta Smith to win the natty. Like certain things you just see and you're like, I know he's good. Or you see and you're like, he's probably not very good. There's a lot of players making him plays. Uh, I know why Travis Etienne's reception numbers are up. A lot of people who don't watch, they weren't Christian McCaffrey-like receptions that he was receiving. They were plays that count as receptions, but are anything far, anything, nothing close to a real reception. So my process, man, is I watch the game. I identify who I believe and I perceive to be a good player and then I open up the spreadsheet and look at all the other data points that other people have done. Like, I want to know, like, I do want to know when a player broke out. I'm not oblivious to the fact that Devonta Smith didn't break out to 20 and Jamar Chase did it at 18. I'm not dumb. I know what that means. And I know historically how that factors in. But there are some times where I, I feel very comfortable betting on the outlier because of what I saw on tape, what I got to observe during his collegiate career. And in those situations, like I'm just going to trust what I know about the game, how I know the game is played and what I evaluated. So I, I use a lot of data. Like I want to know that stuff. I want to know the percentage of teams targets. I want to know if he was the guy. I truly want to test everything that I see. I want to back it with something. And if that something isn't there and I'm out on a limb on a player, then that means I truly believe in the player from what I saw, man. Makes sense. So it's kind of like, it's almost like intuitive to you. Like you watch the play and you're like, yes, like that makes sense. Look at what he did. I'm in. It's not so much like, like you're not like charting games. Are you like, that's no, not your no, thing. No, no, I, I do do film grades based on certain attributes and traits. A lot of the reason why I'm still not in on AJ Dillon whatsoever. I just don't believe he's a good running back. Maybe it remains to be seen, but I'm seeing him drafted over. I'm seeing Dylan drafted in a place in Dynasty where I'm like, wow, I think Kylan Hill's a better running back. I'll just say that. I believe Kylan Hill is a better running back than AJ Dillon. But it's, it's, there are certain things, Drew, that aren't instinctual. Like there's, there is a correct way to run a post corner, there is a correct way for a receiver to run a 15 yard dig. Like there is, you can tell, like there's, it's as close to data as film is going to get, but there's a damn dotted line that tells you what a dig is supposed to look like. And (laughs) when you're watching the game, you can see that Seth Williams can't do that. 
you could see that Seth Williams is not good at defeating press coverage. He's big, he's athletic, he's fast, he gets open, but technically what's required to win at the wide receiver position, he didn't possess that, or at least he didn't show that during his career at Auburn, where players like a Jerry Judah, players like a Devonta Smith or Justin Jefferson did, and you saw that and you saw them win that way consistently. So while I'm not charting it, like per se, like I don't have time. There's 132 Division One teams. I'm not watching all that kind of football. Like that's <laughs> not my job. I have a normal job like a normal person. But if if I showed you the diagram of what a dig looked like and I showed you two receivers running the same route, even you who is not a film, you're not a film expert, you'd be like, all right, that dude did it right. Like I can, that looked much better than that one. And I just said, I told you, I was like, dude, Seth Williams is not it, man. I get it. I love how early he was able to produce, uh, but he just, he's not it, man. I, I wish he was. I wish he was, but he wasn't. Fair enough. All right. So my next question for you is this. Last year, I, I follow Ray Q very closely to the, to the listeners, by the way. Last year, I know, I know for a fact that Ray was out on the, on his podium saying Henry Ruggs isn't it, or at least he's not a superstar in waiting like many other film grinders were. Ugh. So my question for you was, how did you know while so many other film experts were telling us this was the best wide receiver in one of the best wide receiver classes we've ever seen. And yet you have the same process of film scouting. And yet you were able to point out that he was not it. And you were obviously proven correct. How did you know? Again, man, I didn't know. Um, you I knew. Did, Get out of I here. Did not know. I saw you knowing. <laughs> no, I didn't know. I did not know. But uh, I'll just say this. Not every, and I don't, I honestly, Drew, I don't consider myself a fantasy analyst. I'm not a scout. I honestly, I just watch the game. I love the game. I truly, I got a board up here with plays because I just, I study the game. I saw Tyron Matthew do something on top 100. So I put on the board what coverage he was in and how he was able to intercept Jarvis Landry. So I, I, I feel I may not be a scout or a pro, but I, I think I have a good understanding of the game, and not everybody does. There are a lot of people who disseminate information on social media, on websites that literally rolled out of bed one day and said, I want to be a film scout, and I'm going to turn on a couple of YouTube clips, and he's got excellent footwork and great route running, Like, and they use buzzwords to sound like they know what they're talking about, but quite frankly, Drew... Uh, you, you need to pick your film scouts that you trust and then go off of those opinions and fade everything else. But with Henry Ruggs, it was easy to see. It was a, This was this was a speed lust because he didn't do anything at Alabama um, to exhibit the traits that a number one wide receiver should do. He never played in that role. At times, most times at Alabama, he was the fourth option, not even the third. It was Jerry Judy, Devonta Smith, or fifth option, excuse me. It was Jerry Judy, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, Najee Harris, <laughs> and then Henry Ruggs. We'll see if we can get Ruggs involved. I, uh, actually, can I interrupt you for one yeah. moment? Because I think even there was one year where Irv Smith yes. like matched Henry Ruggs. So he, he yeah. was like the fifth, sixth option it's, sometimes. He, he was never at one there were moments where as great as Jamar Chase was in 2019, there were moments where Justin Jefferson took over, like to win the game, like, and you see it. There were moments at Alabama where Devonta Smith scores five touchdowns versus Ole Miss and single-handedly beats them. Henry Ruggs never took over a game, ever. Like they, and, and some people will say, well, Ray, he didn't get the opportunity. They didn't pass him. Targets, and I, this is the truest thing I'm going to say. They are earned. If you don't earn them, you're not going to get them. Like they're not just going to throw the ball around just to spread it out. Like they're going to throw to the main guys over and over and over again. That's why Devonta Adams gets a million targets a game because they're not trying to spread it out. They need to get the main guy, the ball. Henry Ruggs was never the main guy. I love his speed. I think I tweeted about, there was one play where he had the, fastest time faster than Tyreek Hill which is impressive but there was no way I was taking that guy there was no way I have zero Henry I don't think I own or or roster Henry Ruggs in any league because I just maybe in a best ball league because he may work in that but any <laughs> traditional lineup it was easy to see man but not all film grinders are created equal I'll just say that yeah, I know there was quite a controversy last year when uh, one particular film grader let us know, all let everybody know that nobody had watched as much film as him. Nobody had wrote as many words as him. And I still to this day laugh about that because that's that's like asking to be graded on effort. And I'm just like, 
Like, that was I don't care week. how many hours you spent yeah, watching or how many words you wrote. I care if you know what good football players are. That hurt. Uh, the, that hurt the film community that day. That I was. I got uh, ricocheted off of that. Yeah, I know. Oh, I watched ninety nine percent more film than everybody else. <laughs> okay. All right. So you mentioned it earlier. Uh, how do you? How do you separate? Like, because I I've saw you call people out on this on Twitter. Not so much lately. I think I think we have a, a kinder, gentler Ray GQ yeah. in, in our midst now. But like a couple years ago, I remember you like somebody would say something ridiculous, like, oh, he approached the line at a 47 degree angle and it should have been at 63. And you're like, what that doesn't matter. Like, what are you talking about? I, it wasn't exactly that, but it was yeah. something ridiculous like yeah. that. How do you know how to like how do you, how do you tell what matters and what doesn't? Because I saw somebody on Twitter yesterday, two days ago, telling me that Cortland Sutton hand claps when he catches the ball and like, well, does that matter? He caught the ball. And this comes back to, this comes back to the, uh, the money you've seen Moneyball, I presume, right? Even as a yes. film guy, you've seen yes. Moneyball. Yes. So they're like in the, in the draft room and they're like, well, that guy, he, like, he's got a funny swing. And he's like, well, he gets on base. Yeah. Well, guy, well he, he's, he's too short. He's like, well, he gets on base. He gets on base. Well, you know, like he gets on base. It's like, well, Cortland Sutton hand claps and he catches the ball. I'm like, well, catches the ball. Like, so how do you know, when it matters and when it doesn't matter when you're watching film, like how do you distinguish between the noise and the actual signal? Again, man, I don't care. I saw that. I, I posted something one day where the receiver just leaves his corner in the dust and he catches the ball like this. And the response was, Oh, I wish he would have just did it with his hands. And I'm like, who cares? Like that, that stuff is trivial. It's, it's, tr I'm, I, I can promise you it's, uh, as long as they complete the task, I don't care what it looks like. You know how many different swings baseball players have? It, it doesn't matter. Some people stand, I mean, the bat's way up here. Other people is resting on the shoulder. Other people is out. As long as they can complete the task more times than not, that's what I care about. And I'm not, when I'm watching film, I'm not looking at hand placement. I'm not looking at, I, I don't look at body catches. I don't care about any of that. Can you, can you execute what matters at your position? And what matters at your position is being able to be uh, yak is what I, I love receivers that can do something when they have the ball, like do something. I love yards after the catch. Can you do that? Are you, are you the main target? Can you defeat press? Are you, do, are you recognizing, are you making smart football plays when you're on the field and you can't, it's it's very hard to that's why I would never pay credence to any film grade. Like I would never, and I'm saying this as a film guy, and I've got film grades. That ain't even worth the bag of salt because it's really it's the most subjective. They're they're complete you could take 20 different film grades and the data set would probably look worse than just doing your own thing. Like it'd probably just be all over the place, right? But what I say is trust the people who you believe know what they're talking about. Like screw the grade Ray is Seth Williams. Is he good or not? Like, just tell me that. Like, is he good or not? Is he going to be a day three pick or not? Is he going Ray? Let me know. Is Devonta Smith really going to be a first round pick? Like, you know what I mean? And I'm not talking a week before the draft when we all know that's going to happen, but I'm talking like in October, December. And I'll just tell you, Drew, I think he's legit. I think, I think he checks out or nah, man, I, we still need to see more. Um, so I don't look at all that stuff. I, I, I truly, when I say I watch the game, my birthday is Friday. My wife was like, what do you want to do to celebrate on Saturday? It's like, dude, college football starts. I don't, <laughs> I just want to watch college. I just told her this two hours ago. I was like, I, I just want to watch college football. You don't want to go to the steakhouse dinner. I mean, babe, I appreciate it, but I just want to watch college football. That's all I want to do on Saturday. We could do it on Sunday. I don't even, that's two days after my birthday. We could do it Sunday, but Saturday, I want, I literally wake up and I go upstairs in the movie room and I'm, I'm college football all day. So I, I'm watching these dudes, man. So I just, I feel like I'm a decent evaluator of talent and I'm not going to sit here BS you or the listeners. I don't have this great met database that I track footwork and hand placement. Dude, can you play or not, man? Like, are you are you legit or not? And that's sort of where I'm at with it, bro. That makes sense. So uh, I need to let you know that today is my birthday. And my wife was like, you want to go out somewhere? And I was like, no, man, I got a podcast with Ray GQ. I, I can clear my schedule. Happy birthday. Ray's coming in. Happy birthday, man. That's Thanks, dope. man. Happy birthday to you as well. Thank you. So, uh, yeah, no, like, this is great. I love it. Uh, so one of my next questions, I had this on the list because I really am desperate for this and it sounds like it's not going to come from you i want Devi, or i want grades like player grades 
for Debbie. I want them. What is their grade at age 18, at age 19? You know what I mean? Is I, that coming? You're not going to give me that? I, 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 listen, I can't do that, man. I can't do it. I can't. Oh, man. All right. All right. Fair. I will not rely on you for that. I still <laughs> subscribe. I'm going to look at your rankings every time that I need to know if I need to draft someone. So then my next question, this is the hardest question in the whole podcast. We have a murderer's row of completely mediocre Alabama wide receivers when in the first round, who's the best one? Who's the, as prospects, who's the best prospect out of the four first round wide receivers? We know that Ruggs is the worst, but I don't actually know who your preference is of the other three. Um, I think it's a tie for the best. Um, I think it's it's Jerry Judy and Devonta Smith. Both of those guys. Are you are you talking just like in the past couple of years or like? Yeah, yeah, no, I meant of the four like. Okay, good. Everybody's yeah, it's like yeah, four first round picks. Four first yeah, round picks. Yeah, it's it's, it's Smith and Judy, and honestly, I'd flip a coin. So if you told me no, it's Jerry Judy, I'd say okay. If you said it's Devonta <laughs> Smith, I know you wouldn't say that, but if you said that, I'd be like, oh, okay. Whoa, whoa, whoa! I'm I'm not a hater. I feel I like I got miscast as this hater of say. all these wide receivers i'm like i'm not a hater i just don't love them it was comparing it to jamar yeah. chase and they weren't jamar chase and that's what it comes down to i, I think smith gun to the head and i hate saying that but i think he's the best of those four with jerry judy right there followed by jalen waddle and then henry ruggs well we're in complete agreement yeah so that's good yeah. Um, well, actually, I, I might prefer Judy. I'm not sure. Judy yeah, or, yeah, I mean, or, I Judy or, or Smith. It doesn't really matter to me. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I'll flip a coin and I'll take whichever one's available. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, no, that's good to hear. And it should be noted. I actually have a coin flip grade on both Devonta Smith and Jerry Judy, which is the second highest grade that I give. And there's only like 30 freaking bulletproof wide receivers in the past 20 years. So it ain't that bad of a grade. <laughs> okay. Dude, I know that I always knew. That's why I said I know you, man. I know there's some objectivity back there somewhere. I, I know you're I know your shtick, man. I know it. <laughs> all right, all right, all right, all right. Okay, let's let's carry on. Let's carry on. We're not getting the film grades, so that makes me sad, but I'll get over it. Who is your favorite dynasty rookie at cost, right? In, like in this year's class? Who was the guy that you were just like couldn't wait to draft? In Superflex, it was easy, Matt Jones. Easy. Easy. Right. To get a starting easy. to get a starting quarterback. And I think he was going consistently like two two to two, four in a super flex league. And I'm thinking, have we not learned our lesson from Daniel Jones? And I know Daniel Jones stinks now, but there was a point after his rookie season where I remember the hype. I think he, the hype was there for Daniel Jones and he was going like third, third round of super flex rookie drafts that year. But every time I saw Mac Jones fall to 202, 203, 204, I was right there to, to draft him right there, right away. But in, in single outside of the quarterback position, a guy that I had talked about at the beginning of the college season that you could get for free in rookie drafts or fourth round was Chris Evans. Um, I was mm. very much in on Chris Evans. I'm still very much in on Chris Evans. And I think he's going to be more problematic for Joe Mixon than people think. So Chris Evans to get him, um, th that's my favorite dynasty rookie because you could literally now you can't, but during rookie draft season and even in the training camp, you can get Chris Evans in the fourth round and, to get a running back that I think if, if something were to happen, Joe Mixon at worst, he's a flex play. And I, I think there's a real possibility. I think there's a real possibility that Chris Evans makes Joe Mixon a two down grinder. Um, I, I think to get him in the fourth round, I'm, I'm in on Chris Evans. You're breaking my heart because Joe Mixon's one of my most owned players and one of my favorite buys in all of dynasty right now. And uh, it's predicated on the fact that he's a three down workhorse, not a two down grinder. So that wouldn't make me sad all day. Well, I know nothing, man. I'm just, I'm just telling you from what's happened during preseason, it would not shock me if he was on the field in third down situations at some point this year. And if if Chris Evans gets on the field this year as a whatever round pick he was, I don't think he's going to just leave the field. I, if, they, if they put him on the field, I would worry. If you see Chris Evans on the field early and and more frequently than you probably feel comfortable with, I would be concerned. All right, we will be putting Joe Mixon on the block early in the season. It, it looks like Chris quiet. Evans is going to come in and, and nobody there. will notice. <laughs> All right, so who's your favorite rookie in redraft at cost? Like, who's the redraft rookie that you're going out and getting in? You know, like mm. like somewhat shallow leagues, like where you got yeah, 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 you know, yeah. five six bench spots. Uh, we're seeing is uh, we we actually haven't seen his ADP move much, but uh, Rondell Moore. Uh, I, I think there's a real possibility that he's second on that team in targets as a rookie. Um, I, I don't, 
listen, I know some people still believe in Christian Kirk. I would, As be, should. I, uh, I, I would be very concerned and I'm not very, I'm not concerned about AJ green. I think there's a real chance that, that Rondell Moore, um, we, we saw the usage early in preseason and not only is, uh, do I think you'll be able to rely on targets consistently at some point, I think he's going to be like Robert Woods where he's going to have 30 carries on the season. I think, I think you can lock in 30 carries out of the backfield or jet motion plays. And I know that's not significant, but all it takes for him to break one of those four touchdown, you know what I mean? Like, and mm-hmm. I, I think that will kind of offset and they have no tight end of consequence as well. So uh, those short area targets, I think that's going to be, I think Rondell Moore is going to run those intermediate routes like a tight end would. I, I think in redraft, I don't, I still think he's going, I, I like him. I like where he's going right now. I'm all over that in redraft for a rookie. I know that's crazy, but I believe there's a lot of reasons why Arizona is going to have to, to move the ball and throw the ball a lot this year. So I'm in on Rondell. I don't think that's crazy at all. I think it's a great pick for a redraft league because I feel like you're you're absolutely right. Like he's he's gonna be kind of like a queen chess piece where they're gonna get him the ball. Like they're gonna they're going to make sure that he gets the ball in his hands. And then that's his floor, right? Like he's gonna be fine with that floor. And there's a chance that he is the second best wide receiver on the team this year, yeah. in which case then he just smashes his ADP. So we have a safe floor because we know they're going to get him the ball. No matter what, no matter no matter where he is in the pecking order, he's going to get the ball. And then we have an option or a, a range of outcomes where he just is the second best wide receiver on the in the in the team, which is not unreasonable because he's a bulletproof prospect and he's freaking really good. Like yeah. his age 18 season is, in my opinion, better than Jamar Chase's age 19 season and better than Devonta Smith's age 20 highs or age yep. 20 or 21 yep. Heisman season. Yep. Like Rondell Moore's age 18 season is a thing that we are absolutely not privy to ever. It yeah. never happens. And he did it. So I'm all in. In a power five conference at that. Oh yeah. Yeah. So uh, let me go back because this ties this all in together. Now earlier we we're talking about Seth Williams and just falling off the map. He's not a, uh, you know, not a, not a film guy and obviously not a good player. He got cut in training <laughs> camp. David Bell is someone that I'm very interested in. And I am starting to see that he's not even in Dane Brugler's top 50 list uh, for yeah. the athletic. Is he going to do the same thing Seth Williams did and just break every data analyst's heart? I'm very concerned about David Bell. Yeah, why would you I'm, do this to me? But I love David Bell. I still think I have him. Wait, he's 20. Man, he's not in my top five. I have moved him down. I still like David Bell, but I think he's got that potential because he's not, unless he still has a season, Drew. So I still think there's, there's plenty of time for him to, to show and improve, but he's not as explosive as the top guys. Um, he doesn't do anything like special. He doesn't do anything special. Like Garrett Wilson, he has a special quality about him. Like his, his ability to adjust the balls in air, just make spectacular grabs, special. Chris Olave's speed, special. Um, Traylon Burks' versatility in size and speed, size adjusted speed, special. David Bell, just David Bell. He's just David Bell. Like he's Isn't just that kind of Rashad David. Bateman, though? Bateman was a little different, man. Um, like th- there was, and this was my counter argument to the Tyler Johnson truthers was I said, if you turn on the tape and you tell me which wide receiver just looked better, number 13 or number six, number 13 was Rashad Bateman. I said, you would walk away and there'd be no question. You'd be like 13. 13 looks like. Like that looks like the like, and that's that's a great example of the film side, right? Because I'm not I'm not kidding you, Drew. If I put on a game where they both had 150 receiving yards, and I said I want you to just watch it, you can't see the names. Just look at number six and look at number 13. Which one looks special? I would venture to say 10 out of 10 people would be like, oh, 13 is legit. Who is that? And that was Rashad Bateman as a true freshman on the field with Tyler Johnson. So not only did the data back it my eyes, I was like, oh yeah, that dude, that dude is good. David Bell, I'm concerned about, man. I, I'm more concerned about David Bell than I am George Pickens coming off of a torn ACL. Ooh, that is terrifying. All right. Well, talking about future face planners, <laughs> who's your, you know, like, I have this thing, right? I don't know if you know about this, this face planner thing. And I basically just say, don't buy face planners because we don't right. know. They, they have such low hit rates, but I continually get asked, well, which one is going to hit though? Which one? And I'm like, I don't pick the one. Like, I if I go back in history and look at the face planner, I can't tell you which one. I'm not a film guy. So yeah. I have 
what do I have? Uh, five face planters here. I need you to tell me which one is going to be the, cause there's going to be one. Yeah. Well, 20% of these guys hit. We got five. So there's going to be one. We got Jalen Rieger. We got Henry dogs. We got Keyshawn Vaughn. We got Denzel Mims and Brian Edwards. Which is the hit? Brian Edwards. Oh, I, I did not expect that answer from you. I, yeah, I thought you're going Jalen Rieger all the way. Nah, man. I, listen, I'm I'm here to to give. I'm, first of all, I'm here to entertain. I hope people like listening to me. The <laughs> second, I try to give the most unbiased opinion, man. Like Rager face planted something serious last year, and I can give you a lot of things that happened and reasons why I know. And it's it's hard for me to like I know him, like know him, know him, talk to him. So. I'm not a paid journalist, so I just refuse to, I'm not going to bash somebody that I know I communicate with on DM. Like, I'm just, I'm not going to do that. Like, he gets enough shit that I don't need to pile on to him. Like, I, I just respect him more than that. So I just, I will come on air and say I was wrong about Rager. I think I had him at wide receiver two in 2020. I was wrong about that. And there's no way if I had Brian Edwards on the board, if I had Brian Edwards over in these four, I'm clicking Brian Edwards every time. Um, so... While I liked Rager the prospect, and let me just say, a lot of analytic people liked him too because he he did hit those thresholds. A lot of people, it wasn't just me. I just, I really, I liked, and it was my first year actually using data. Like Jesse Reeves is the one who got me to to really look at things. Jesse Reeves is the one that told me, Ray, stay away from Antonio Gandy-Golden. When I liked his film, Jesse was like, he's not going to hit, dude. Like, stay away from him. Like, you don't want those type of players. And I was like, no, no, Gandy Golden is good. Look at this tape. Look at this highlight. And Jesse was like, trust me. And today, Gandy Golden gets cut. He never plays. He, like he, he was like, dude, you don't want those type of players. A lot of data people love Jalen Rager. So it wasn't just me, but I know him. Not going to bash him on Twitter, but I'm not taking him over Brian Edwards. No, Brian Edwards is a starter. Jalen Rager's holding on to a starting job by a thread. And he's not even going to be the number – I don't think he's going to be the number three target on that team. It's Devontae Smith. It's Dallas Goddard. And then we'll see between him and Quez Watkins. I at least know Brian Edwards is the number three at worst behind Waller, maybe Ruggs. At, at least I have a strong – I don't know anything. I have a good feeling that he'd at worst be the number three. Rager at best is the number three for Philly. At best. Fair. Yeah, no, I'm right with her with you. I, I completely missed on Rager. I thought he was going to be – a stud and he obviously was not and now i've sold all of my riggers for second round picks which a lot of people think is selling low and i'm like well i just wait till he sees adp next year that was a sell high my friend so yeah all right that is like everyone is going brian edwards i can't blame you on that okay so right in 2021 there's gonna be face planners we don't we there every year there's face planners who is going to be the guy that just absolutely craters this year that you don't want to be holding the bag on who's the guy yeah it's i'm gonna give you two answers all right. Give you two answers. One is the obvious answer, and that's Kadarius Tony. I I get the first round draft capital. I don't believe in the situation. I I like the tape. I think he's I think he's a skilled player, but there, there are too many negatives working against Kadarius Tony for me to. I, I I don't I don't think I have him rostered anywhere across thirty something dynasty leagues. I have zero Kadarius <laughs> Tony. Um, but the second player, um. And this is sort of unfair. This is sort of unfair because it was just due to injury. It is sort of unfair. But I, if I had Travis Etienne, which I don't because I wasn't enamored with him as a prospect, I would be I, – I, I don't think I – I think I'd probably try to trade him. I think I would. And it's, it's bigger than the injury. Um, I don't think that helps at all. I, I would probably be trying to get rid of Travis Etienne and I, and the people who are like, Oh, you can buy low. I'll let you, you can do that as well. I'll pass on the buy low. I don't, I don't think I want any part of Travis Etienne. And even though he wasn't my favorite prospect, I still try to trade for him in some leagues because I saw some value there. Um, but I, I'm, I, I don't think I want any Etienne. That's fair. I I've been, um, I, I'm really concerned about Travis Etienne. We have this, this thing with Travis Etienne where it's like, well, now he's going to miss the year. And James Robinson could solidify himself as the bell cow now. Like, like right coming into the year, it's like, well, they're kind of even ground, new coach. Nobody really has ties to anybody. Yeah, James Robinson played well last year, but it was it was kind of volume fueled more than like he was really good. But now it's like, well, this is the second year, and if he's really good this year, then we're questioning whether or not Travis Etienne even has a role next year. And then we don't even know if he's going to be any good next year because I think a lot of times yeah. we see this list prank injury. We see muted production the following year. So now I'm like, what are we hoping for here? A 2023 breakout? Like, yeah. just give me a first round pick and I'll, I'll move on. Yeah, same. That's where I'm at, man. 
That's why I'm at exact exact reasons. And I just don't trust Jacksonville. It's like they already have Travis Etienne and LaVisca Chenault. And it seems like they want to I, – I, I just – I don't want any Travis Etienne right now. I, if you said, Ray, I'll give you one 2023 thir- uh, first rounder, can't tell you where, but it's just a first in 2023, I would have him at your front doorstep quick. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Everybody makes mistakes, right? We all started somewhere. What's the biggest lesson you ever learned in fantasy football? Like, what's the mistake that you kept making? And then you were like, whoa, what am I doing? What was your what was your thing? Um, this is a tough question, man. Um I think devaluing rookie picks sometimes has has hurt me. Um, and I and I keep doing it. And I talked about it with the Debbie <laughs> picks, but when I'm in win now mode and I know I've got a strong team and it, it, it didn't dawn on me until you said something in the show, but I'm like, I don't care. I take my 2023 first. I don't care. Take it. And I'm the Debbie guy. I know that that class is loaded. I know it, but I'm just like, I want to win this money now. So here, take my first, give me Juju Smith Schuster. It wasn't Juju, but you know what I mean? Like give yeah. me that player. And then when I don't win, because eight other players got hurt over the next four weeks and I'm sitting there and I'm looking around at my roster and I'm like, I really could have used that first, even if it was to move back and acquire more picks. Like I really needed those players. I I think really devaluing those picks in an effort to win, especially like if, if you have to trade all that for one guy to win, you, you probably not like, you know what I mean? Like it's one thing if your team is already loaded and you get a guy just because, but if you're like on that bubble, like if I don't get this guy, I'm not going to win. You, you probably don't have a team that's going to make it anyway. So you, you're playing on luck. I, I got to stop doing that, man, because there was a league that I gave up a 2022 and a 2023 first for a running back. And I'm just like, I, I think back to it now. I'm like, I mean, I got a good running back, but I probably at this moment, <laughs> I'd probably rather have those picks. <laughs> that's fair. All right. Well, that, that that's, that's our wrap. So just plug every, plug you for the listeners one more time. What are you doing, Ray? Where can we find you? Yeah, man. Uh, Destination Debbie, YouTube, podcast, uh, Twitter, uh, at Ray GQ. That's Q-U-E on Twitter. Uh, I've got a show every day, 8 a.m., Monday through Friday with Bets TV. Wake up with Ray G. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, catch me live against every day monday through friday 8 a.m eastern time i dropped the link on my twitter and then i also um it's college football season so i'm starting to gear up the uh you know i I try to stay ahead so gearing up on the 2022 prospects starting this saturday um patreon.com forward slash all gas you can support over there but uh just appreciate you having me on drew uh it was a fun show man it's great to have you so thanks for listening everyone and that is a wrap